Society podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues, including dark art, as well as other kinds of art, literature, film, music, also culture, philosophy, dreams, paranormal experiences, magic, and a whole lot more than that. I'm Mike Carell, director of Chet's Art, I Like to Paint Monsters, and you are listening to the Dark Art Society podcast, hosted by renowned artist Chet Zar. Hello, Mike. Hey, Chet. Well, it's so hot here today. I have to have the AC on. So if you hear, I can hear it in the background. It's it says on my phone that it's 116 degrees, which I'm having a hard time believing, but it is really hot. That is very hot. That's not even kind of hot. That's yeah, super. it's ridiculous. It's uh, yeah. So it's up there, over 110 for sure. It's crazy. I know that feeling. It's been doing that here. So it's terrible. Terrible. I hate it. I'm not it. a big fan of it either. That's the worst. I mean, but I'd rather be too hot than too cold. Not that I really prefer either extreme, but if I had to choose an extreme, I would prefer to be too hot than too cold. Yeah, I'd rather be too cold. I can't. I just hate the heat. <clears throat> hate it. Well, it's just, I, I think it's funny that you live in a place that's so hot. All the time. I know. <laughs> it is. And I know all the reasons, but still, I find it humorous. <clears throat> yeah. Like, I don't like it to rain all the time, and I'm from a place where it rains all the time, and so I'm not there anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, you, Fuck don't, that. you don't have any roots anywhere, so. Well, I do. I just left them behind. Well. <laughs> and I talk to them on the telephone and see them <laughs> once a year. <laughs> I have bunches of roots, actually. I have shitloads of family members back where I'm from. Yeah, but you don't have, like, kids or no people like that. <clears throat> Those are the real roots. But if I had had rooted. kids there, I would have made them come here with me because I'm that selfish. But that's why I don't have kids because I'm that selfish. Right. So <laughs> there you go. Well, today we're doing the um, the Discord live questions and answers. Yes. And this is going to post in like three weeks or something. <laughs> yeah, right. It's going to be a little bit down the line there. <laughs> Because we got, we're we're ahead. We're actually, we've got an episode for next week and the week after that we've already got canned because Brian Kilgore, our amazing music and mastering man, is out of town, and so we are recording yet another one to stay ahead of the game because you know life happens sometimes, and I don't want to miss another one like the amazing Stephanie Vega interview that I missed because I was out of town, and if we're in an, ahead, that won't happen. So yeah. yeah, so you'll have to wait a little bit to hear it, but. By the time you're hearing this, it won't matter. And you'll be like, what the hell are they talking about anyway? Time, time travel. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> okay. You want to just start? So, Chet, let me just explain real quick for people that don't know what the fuck, what we're talking about here. I'm trying not to say fuck so much because I say it a lot. So, um, <laughs> uh, Chet is on Discord. And the Discord server, the Dark Art Society Discord server, is available for patrons that are $3 and more. And you get on there, and there's a channel. And it's called Live Questions Answers. And people are there right now, and they're asking questions, and Chet is going to read those off and answer them, and we're going to record those. And so it's a way to kind of be involved with Chet directly while we're doing this recording, even though it is being recorded in advance. Yes. So thanks for joining us. I'm ready to roll. Are you ready? Yeah. Um, okay. So, so Chad has to do this, which is weird because normally I'm the Q&A guy and I do all the reading of it. But because my internet service is so poor, if I turn that that app on while I'm doing Skype, you will not be able to hear me anymore because I will sound a jerky robot. Okay. Let's see. Okay. We've got uh, Dead Gods. Which is, I believe, T.C. Largay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have asked this in 
that I've asked this one in the past, but I don't think it got posted in one of the Q and A's. So here it is again. If you sell art by the square inch formula, what should the price variance be for study work compared to your finished pieces? Uh, good question. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, as with all pricing of artwork, it's completely arbitrary. It just has to have a certain level of consistency. And um, so what's mine? I have five by seven paintings, finished pieces framed that I sell for like 1100 bucks, 1150 or something. Mm -hmm. And then I sell my studies for 425. So that's like 27.5%. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like a quarter of the value, but I don't know that that's necessarily right. Really. I don't don't know that that's a formula you should follow. I just kind of arrived at that price with my studies based on what the, uh, you know, how things sold. I had them, I started them at like 300 bucks and I just kind of raised the price every year. And now I'm up to 425. So pricing. Well, so if you were to round it up, maybe you could even say that it'd be fair to say like a third, you know, like you yeah, get, you know what something I mean? Like, yeah. But, I, but uh, yeah, yeah. You could say that or you could say a quarter, you could say a third, you could say a half. I don't know. I've seen, you know, uh, I saw a Todd Shore. How much was that painting for? He Todd Shore had this amazing, huge painting at Mary Karnowski Gallery. If you don't know Todd Shore, you should look him up because he's really, really amazing. And he had a paint, a big painting that was, God, I don't know, it's probably four by five or three by four, maybe something like that. It was pretty big. Mm-hmm. And it's like 36 by 48. He's something like that. Might have been smaller, but it was a good size painting and it was expensive. I don't remember what the price was. It was probably. 50,000 or something, 100, maybe 100,000. No, not 100,000. Maybe like 50, I'll say 50 grand. It was something like that. And then he mm-hmm. had a study that was like an 11 by 14. But it, 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 but his study looked exactly like the final painting. Like it was mm-hmm. funny because it was almost exactly like a small version of the final painting. And that was selling for 10,000. Mm, okay. So that's like a fifth if it a was fifth, 50 yeah. grand. And I'm sure it was at least 50 grand, the painting. Well, so, maybe that's because, like you said before, though, I mean, if he's at the echelon where he's selling 36 by 48s for 50 grand, then maybe for his market, it makes more sense for a study to be reasonable for a 10 grand market. Again, right. because for his market, that makes sense. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, it's all going to be dependent on that sliding scale. What's your market, what you're making, what your work, work is worth, how long you've been doing it, and all these yeah, things you yeah. can't even really, like, qualify or dignify. And what your, yeah, and what your worth is work. Uh, what your work is worth is just based on what people will pay for it. That's all there is to it. Right. Right. What the market will. Yeah. Bear. Cause if you, cause if you charge too much and you don't sell it, then you're not a selling artist. And if you charge too little, then you're not making as much as you're worth. So how do you crack that nut? Well, through experience, right? Trial yeah, and error. Yeah, basically. So I always say it's good to start sm- slower so you can keep going up. But if you start too high, you can kind of screw yourself, but we've already covered all that before. We have. Okay. Two hundred and fifty bucks. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, uh, <laughs> from the documentary from Alex Bate Monsters. Yeah, I'll see. He's like, how much you started selling yeah, them for? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Hey, Alan, what is up? Asked, how am I going to die? 
Okay, Alan Smith, I believe. So I have no idea how you're going to die, but I do know that you're going to die. Oh, he asked someday. how he is going to die specifically? Yeah. Oh, well, so, I mean, yeah, how, how would we know that? <laughs> I don't know. I know when, I, when I'm going to die. <laughs> what, what do you mean, when you, when you die? No, I know when I'm going to die. I know that, like, when it's going to happen. What do you mean? You know it, the date? Yeah, I'm going to die on my birthday at the age of 99. <laughs> Where did you hear that one? No, that came, that came to me, I think, when I was like 13 or 14 years old. And it's just, I just have stuck to it ever since, because why not? <laughs> Thought word deed. Maybe I'll live a long life as a result of repeating it over and over again. Yeah, it sounds like a, a pretty uh, <laughs> Why not test it out? Doesn't that seem like a test? Like, you know, if I do actually die on my birthday at the age of 99, then that would be like this lifelong game I got to play. And then I test it out, find out. It's pretty funny. Um, Okay. Andrew Hawkins, is God a Choco Taco? No, God is not a Choco Taco. These are the questions we've got. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here's a good one. Is God a Choco Taco? (laughs) Well, but you do have kind of a heavenly experience when you eat Choco Tacos, no, do you? The, no, 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 not even. Choco Tacos are good. They're not that good. I just posted it one time as a joke at the end of some spiritual quote I made up. And uh, everyone thinks I love Choco Tacos now. And I like Choco Tacos, but I don't <laughs> love Choco Tacos. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you're qualifying that. <laughs> Okay, so we got... I took a picture. This is way off the subject, but it kind of fits. Just I don't know how it does. Somehow I arrived at this in my neurodiverse way, but I have a picture I have not shared with you yet. That's a picture that's a sign, and it says Devo County. Devo what? County. I like took a picture of... I don't know where... I don't even remember where it is now, but I took a picture, and it says Devo County. I got it for you. Oh, nice. I don't know what that has to do with Choco Tacos, but move on. (laughs) Okay, Dead Gods said... Asked, are we working towards getting some Dark Art Society marking materials up? I know shirts are in the works and you have made some cards to hand out at cons. I wouldn't mind purchasing off your store as something to hand out to get people into the cooperative. Would like to grow some more members around my area. That would be cool, but we haven't really started any of that other than the the card I made up. And, you know, we just have to figure out a way of getting it to people. If people want some of the cards to pass out, um, Mm -hmm. maybe charging people. I was thinking maybe we could charge people just cost that way I could order them in bulk or they could be, uh, you get a certain amount every month for joining at a certain level, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I think that, that, you know, you and I talked a little bit about that, about the idea of maybe having, because, you know, if we're going to kind of chapter this to whatever degree where people have these opportunities to on the ground, be able to facilitate their local people to do on the ground stuff that's tangentially or peripherally, at least related to what it is that we're doing as the dark art society as a whole, then it makes sense that they have some kind of way to create a starter type situation. So there almost needs to be a tier for somebody who wants to be the the, the facilitator to, uh, you know, just right. to throw a word out there of that particular chapter in that particular area. And like you said, then make it cost effective for them to have materials 
to, you know, provide to those people, Mm -hmm. whatever those materials may be, whether that's promotional advertising or that's, uh, you know, publication stuff that we're producing or shirts or any of that. But again, as we, you know, as Chet just said, right now we're trying to finalize the design for the logo so that we can produce the shirts. So we're still kind of even in a stage where we haven't even been able to get some of the basic stuff nailed down because it just takes time and energy and there's a lot of moving parts to it. Yeah, we got, I mean, once the logo's finished, we will get the shirts made. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a, a shirt printer for that shirt because it's a simple design. And so I have a place, I've got quotes and everything. So that's ready to go as soon as um, uh, Josh gets us that artwork. Um, and uh, well, a little, I, little I, shout out, shout out to Josh Geyser because yeah. Josh Geyser is the man who actually helped us create this whole discord thing that we're using right yes, now. So thank thanks, you, Josh. Josh. And thank you for cleaning up that logo too. He's just taking the logo that, that we made initially and just cleaning it up, making it uh, good for print. But um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, you bringing it up is a good idea about doing that. I think that's how we will start implementing some of these ideas is hearing what people want, you know, and what, how can we um, uh, facilitate that? And if, if people want to get involved to set, you know, if someone wanted to make a pamphlet or something, you know, we're all for it. And then we can uh, try and figure out maybe paying for them to get printed. If someone right. wants to do, you know, it's all, it's at this point, it's a matter of time between Mike and I, cause we're both basically um, just trying to survive here. I'm trying to get, through this year because I got this dystopia book and a couple shows I got to do aside from just having to make hustle to make money. And Mike's got to hustle to make money. So, um, I'm hoping, you know, my big long-term plan is after this year, I keep saying it, but I'm, I'm going to keep saying it until I actually do it. Until it it happens. Yeah. I'm not going to give up once I, you know, get past this year, I'm going to slow down a little bit and focus on, on, uh, the Dark Art Society and my Patreon, and um, and now that with the Patreons going, now I can not, could maybe do that. You have been you able, know, to especially focus with, more. with I mean, my, I've, yeah, I've watched you with my Patreon. I'm able to afford to. Um, it's helping helping me to eventually afford to not have to do so many other jobs, so I can focus on this other stuff right. I want to focus on. Well, I think that this is a good chance, though, to bring up, too, for people that are interested in pitching ideas like or even, you know, I guess the question is kind of a kind of a a segue, as it were, to this idea. But, you know, for instance, Josh Clark, April, uh, April Dickerson, Bobby Miller, Michael Miller, or uh, Bobby Ford, Michael Miller. These are people that are trying to work on this online uh, art show. And there's all these things going on like that. And we're excited about all those things. But the reality is, as Chet just said, you know, we only have so much energy as the two quote figureheads and Chet really being the dominant figurehead here because it's really your baby. But the reality is we only have so much time to get engaged and we're hoping that people will take their specific talent and their skill set and see where there's a need and where their talent and their skill set fits that. And then what we ask simply is just that you come to us with whatever the idea is and check in and say, hey, you know, what do you think about this? We'll give you our feedback, but we then want people to operate independently, you know, because we need people to. There's no way we're going to be able to handle this whole thing thing as it continues to grow and develop as it is quickly. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the next one. There's a lot of questions. So, See? um, uh, okay. Um, Andrew Hawkins said, yes, some dark art society swag would be cool. 
ever thought about producing a dark art society challenge coin? The one Giger made had made the ones Giger made, the ones Giger had made are pretty cool. And American McGee is producing them too for the new Alice game. And, um, he has a picture of these coins that are really cool. That would be amazing to do a coin with the logo on it, the gas mask oh, logo. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, we yeah, talked about that a while back with a few people, remember? I won't name yeah, names, yeah. we had that conversation a couple times. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it'd be cool. It's a good idea. Find someone to make them, find someone to put up the capital to have them produced, and we are so about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, you know, ultimately, if we're, when we're bringing enough money in, that's the kind of stuff we would you That's know, the goal, exactly. For. Yep, We'd be able that's to pay the whole goal. Okay, so... Um, have you guys ever gotten into Dungeons? Uh, hey, Alan, what, what is up? Have you guys ever gotten into Dungeons and Dragons? If yes, have a good D&D story to share. I have one D&D story to share, and it's not good. I mean, it's not <laughs> bad either, but it's just really mediocre. I didn't really get into it. I think that here's the thing is like, for instance, my wife, she's she's older than me by seven years, and she was into it because it was her, that really fit better the era. She was, you know, yeah, born in 72. I was born in 79, right? And so for me... Uh, it was a little, I was a little bit late to the game because by the time I was old enough to really be able to get down, like what, 10 ish. Uh, yeah, it was like, it was already almost like 90. I mean, it was like, you know, it was like 89. So, mm -hmm. um, I ended up playing magic a lot and I got really into magic. And in fact, I still have all of my kind of second edition magic cards and joy. And I still play. And when people come over, want to learn, I'll teach them. I really like magic and it's, it's a fun game. And I, like I said, I still play it, although I haven't kept up to date with any of the you know, new editions, but no, I have nothing really to offer in the way of D and D. How about you? Um, uh, yeah, I used to play when I was about 12, 13, 14, something like that. And uh, yeah, it was fun. I had a, a few friends we would, that I would play with. And my best friend at the time used to paint little, the little uh, pewter figures. And um, uh, the, you know, the, I guess the only story I got, I was so into, let me see, I was into Dawn of the Dead. So this must have been 78. So I was, 11, 12, something like that. We did make a Dawn of the Dead game, like a D and based on D and D rules, and made a map of the mall. And cool. Yeah, it was so so much fun, and we played that a few times. That's that's my only D and D story, I suppose. Yeah, I <laughs> but, love making games. It's so much fun. I yeah. did that a lot too. Okay, so um, Caleb Osgood deal. When are we getting a crossover episode with Gimme Babble? Winky face. Um, yeah, that's a good idea. Well, I know David Stupakis, at least if nothing else, is on the list, quote, yeah. the list. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would be, that would be fun, too. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm down I, for that. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Alan, what, what is up again? Come to think of it, some, some kind of tabletop RPG would be a pretty cool way to share dystopia with people. And that is something that Mike's been thinking about since the beginning. And he yes. has ideas for a role-playing game, a dystopia, or a card game, or I mean, but you know, the 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 possibilities are endless when it comes to, to dystopia and games and comics and everything. So I just got to get this fucking book done. Well, I definitely have a whole entire because you know it was like it. 
I'm a writer and I love to write and I got paid to write the book. And so I wrote it, you know what I mean? And even though I've been involved with you revising it, which is just part of the process of being a writer is going through and editing and stuff. I got that key part, just like the chunk written, written. So I had this time. So yeah, I have a whole entire structure for a game already developed for dystopia that I haven't even bothered to even put in front of Chet's eyes yet because he just doesn't have time to even give it its due and that's understandable. But yeah, there is already a base idea. And then of course it's just, he would have to do what he wanted to do with it because it's his, his baby. But um, yeah, so there's plenty of ammunition there for sure. Okay. Yeah. And he also said, could even start with a chessboard or something a little more simple. And that's something that I've had people ask me a million times, you should make a chess set. And I even had a, I probably could get it done now. I have a a toy company that wanted me to do a chess set, but I just didn't have time to deal with it. Actually, they came at me and they said, give me some designs for toys. We'll produce whatever you want, whatever you want to do, we'll make. And I was like, okay. So I took, um, I did a, made a black magic figure, like sketches. I made a mourner, the mourner, that mourner woman. Yeah. I made a really cool idea for a toy for that. And I, and a bunch of, dead Pope, maybe a bunch of cool toys. And then I submitted them to them. And then they said, well, what we really want to do is a chess set. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> why didn't you say chess set in the first place? Yeah. But, uh, so that, then that kind of stalled out, but it, I just, it's just a matter of um, time. So, okay. Dead gods again, other than getting better, are there some tasks you would like to see us take on? I think, it is the restaurant manager in me that keeps trying to find things for us to do and keep us engaged. That's a good question. I think promotion, I think just spreading the word yes. is, is the, the main thing. And, you know, maybe we could make some generic ads for people to post around, you know, sure. not, not episode specific, but maybe some of you guys can do that if you want as well. And send yeah. it to us and, and um, we could, you know, kind of, bounce it back and forth. Yeah, because all these ideas that they're talking about that people are asking about all could be reasonable if they were affordable if we had more members. Right. So yeah, the ad but I would say also though, as I said before, just to reiterate, if you see that there's something missing and there's a need there and you have the time, energy, expertise, skill set, talent, whatever to fill that role then just step in and fill it. I mean, you know, that's, that's the thing I think that's, that's important about this as a society and a cooperative is that it's like, if people see, Oh, well, you know, no one's doing this, but we should be doing this. Then, you know, if you're that person and you have, or you can rally the people together that have the ability to do it, then, then do it, please. You know, I mean, that's all I'm doing. That's the only reason I'm even sitting here right now is because I, I've, I see the areas where my talents could be used and I apply them in those areas, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that that same expectation of the people that are all a part of this is reasonable, you know? If you see that you could do something and you have the ability to do it and the time and energy, then do it, <laughs> you yeah, know? And if it's if a you deal and you, you don't know, you ask us, ask me, you know, I'm always, everybody knows I'm around and accessible. So if you have a question, ask me, I'll always come to chat, chat well, and I will always discuss everything together and I'll get back to you, you know, it's the truth. Yeah. Um, Okay. And if you don't have, if you have an idea, but you don't have the expertise or the time, you just, you can float the idea in the, in the dark art society and see if anybody else wants to t- take it exactly. up or collaborate with you or whatever. They use the project development channel. On yeah. Discord. Yeah. Okay. Any news about dystopia that you can share? Uh, I just finished one of the dystopia paintings last night, which is cool. And I'm going to finish another one today. 
So I am chipping away little by little. <laughs> um, a couple new characters have developed since last time I posted an update. So that's kind of cool. That's the only good thing about having to wait so long for it is that the world is becoming richer and, and deeper because more characters are being created for other stuff I have to paint for. So, well, and you've also, I mean, you've also come to, you know, a great number of revelations concerning that world in the, in, you know, the, the time in between, you know, right. Okay. Hey, I think there's only eight. Oh no, there's 10 people online now. Okay. So a lot of the same people are asking questions, but that's all good. That's cool. Hey, if they're hey, there, Alan. they're getting theirs. So next time show up people. Hey Alan, what is up? I need you to clock dead God at dead gods. I need you to clock out and finish up this prep work. I think they're joking here. Okay. <laughs> Andrew Hawkins. Also, what horror movies do you put on when you're sick and hallucinating? I usually <laughs> go for Fulci or Argento when I'm dead on the couch. I don't have specific movies for when I'm sick. I mean, I might say the ones that I like the best that make me feel good, you know, ones that I've maybe Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead or some of the classics that I love just because it makes me feel better, maybe. But yeah, I've never had a go-to hallucinating, sick hallucination movie. Well, I can, in the past 14 years, I've been sick twice. And the most recent time that I was sick was, was two years ago. And I got swine flu when we went to New Mexico. It sucked. And I was really sick when I came back. And I watched a lot of documentaries. And one of the best ones I watched during that period was Autism and Love, for what it's worth. And then the other time that I was sick that I watched a film was in 2006, <laughs> so crazy that I don't get sick, but in 2006, I got really sick too, super, super sick. And I watched Inland Empire by David Lynch. God, what was I thinking? Cause I was in that kind of hallucinatory state and like not with it, like having a rough one. And, and Joy was at work, we worked graveyard at the casinos and I was just laying on the couch and I put on Inland Empire, which is like three hours of just, you know, absurdity, David Lynch insanity. And yeah, so that was that. There, there's your answer, Andrew. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, Chet's over here texting, ignoring my answer. I'm, I'm gonna I'm wipe a tear out of my eye. I'm listening. Um, I'm trying to get someone to bring me an energy drink. So I'm totally about to pass out. I'm so tired. Okay. Hey, Alan, what is up? This may have some kind of obvious answer, but I don't know art history really at all. What's the furthest back example of dark art you guys can think of? And that's a good question. And I don't well, know I that mean, much about art history either, but I do know that, you know, Goya, this is, Goya is pretty, uh, pretty, pretty big when it comes to it. Hieronymus Bosch is probably the oldest I can think of. But any of the, if you think about any of the old crucifixion paintings, are dark art. <laughs> yeah. I how think, far I back think do those go? You know? The reality is this. I think it goes back as far as art goes back because even when you look at like, uh, you know, the, the Mayans and the Toltecs and the Aztecs, they had, you know, Quetzalcoatl. I mean, there's a monstrous, dark, feathered right. serpent creature right there that's, you know, guards the underworld, stuff like that. So, I mean, the reality is, is I think that, you know, you look back at petroglyphs even, you know, and you have examples of monstrous depictions that people are fearful of or that they have to face on whatever level. And it goes back to caves. I mean, I think it, it really goes back as far as people have been creating. There's been dark subject matter in that, that creation. That would be a great area of study. Maybe some, someday somebody will do that. Um, 
I mean, darkness is in all of our lives from the beginning. It's not like it was easier for them. It was a lot harder for them, actually, than it is for us. Yeah, no you shit. know, so the reality is they were probably way wonder, more scared than we are. They, you know, I wonder, though. I wonder, though. If, it's all relative. Yeah. I mean, if, I, I'm, if, I'm painting with broad strokes here. You have, I think about that, though, often. Like, okay, it is maybe it's there's just an equilibrium that's always there, you know, whereas back then there was way less population. There was way more to be afraid of, but then there was all these myths that people believed in to, for comfort, you know, so it might've been easier. Well, and also, and, you, you know, if you live a shorter life. Your life may be a lot richer because you know that you only have, I mean, when you look forward, do you see all the people that you know dying at 40? Because that's when you die. Then the life between born and 40 is going to be a whole different ride than if you're right. going to have modern medicine, you're going to live to be 90 something, you know, you treat your life differently. So I think it's all relative. Yeah. Yeah. Just interesting. All right. Uh, this is Dead Gods. This is kind of a hard to think of question after all the Q&As. A lot has been covered. LOL. What are your thoughts on the group show at Josh Clark has been trying to head up? All right. And I brought this up already once. Go ahead, though. Oh, yeah. I think it's uh, a cool idea. I, I, um, I haven't really been in the loop just because I've been so busy. I haven't been able to check in. So... Um, but I suggested if if it if um if it's something that you guys want under the dark art society header, that it should probably be some kind of juried thing, you know, so we can make sure that just the best pieces get in and it's very you know representative of the best of dark art within this community. Um, I wish I could get this somewhere. <laughs> so like, well, I can, try, I can I'm trying to more while you go get your okay. Energy. Just you, go get your energy drink. Okay, so you, you here's the other half of it. Yeah, because I know what you're going to say. So the other half of it is is that if if in the event you want to just do the show, which is cool, and not necessarily have it carry the Dark Art Society banner association directly like that, then you guys are welcome to just do that and certainly use all of the facilities that we've created, be it Discord or the Dark Art Society Cooperative um, on Facebook or any of these other resources to, to uh, develop that project. But I think, again, what Chet said first is the most important thing. And, and Josh reached out to me, which is great. Um, and that is effectively what Chet and I discussed and then I communicated to him. And he has, for the rest of you uh, that are interested, again, I know Bobby Ford, Michael Miller, April Dickerson, and Josh Clark are kind of at the center of this. They've created a secret group as well, Facebook group for that, and it is the DOS uh, Online Show Planners. And so that that actually does exist. So if you're interested in being involved in the planning of that, they have already created a group, a secret group for the planning of the show. Um, and that does include, you know, the information that Chet and I just provided, and, they, and they're kind of facilitate, facilitating it. It's their baby. So again, it's a situation where a person that has this skill set and sees the need is, is providing it, or people, rather. Um, so yeah. Yeah, so I, I told them, Chet, basically what you and I discussed the other half, that if they want to fly it without that banner, that that's fine and to use the resources at their disposal to right. coordinate it. But that in the event they want to do it this way. But either way, they're doing it and they've got a secret group for it already and that's sanctioned and they're, you know, so follow up with them. Ask those guys about it. Yeah. Guys and girls. I say so guys I all the time and it sounds like such an asshole, but when I say guys, I definitely mean guys and girls. It's just part of my, my the way I speak, my semantics. White 
male microaggression, white privilege. Yeah, you could call it all that, but you know, it is what it's how I'm programmed. Either way, there's no know, thought behind it. It's, it's, one those, it's one of those things. I've been I try and avoid it now, just because I try I, to as well. That's why right? I just said something about but it's it. So, that very reason because I catch a, myself doing it. You know, there's not a good alternative though. That's the problem. If there was an easy alternative, I would just use it. But well, I mean, I say you all, and I'll say yeah, y'all. Same here. You know, I say both those things, but okay. whatever. Okay, here's Bobby Ford. Would you visit Jurassic Park? Uh, absolutely, I would. Hell yes. Okay. Don't even have to think about it. <laughs> That's like saying, would you uh, turn on the TV if Videodrome was on and go, you know, of course. Of right. course you would. <laughs> <laughs> you don't okay. care what's going to happen. Andrew Hawkins said, pick one, Hieronymus Bosch or Peter Bruegel the Elder, and why? And... I would say Hieronymus Bosch yep. because um, that's, you know, that's what I grew up with. That's pro probably was my earliest um, exposure to what I would think is dark art. And uh, I, uh, you know, Peter Bruegel, the elder, <clears throat> Pieter, I'm, I, I mean, it, that stuff's uh, amazing and it's, uh, I, uh, you know, he's got some crazy stuff, but it's not, I don't know. He doesn't have any crazy Bosch monsters. You know me, I'm all about, not that I n know of, and I'm, I'm all about the monsters. That's what does it for me. You know, I'm all about the monsters. That's true. You are. So, I, you know, I just grew up on Bosch and. So that's why, I, that's why, and that's the answer <laughs> for me. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, let's move on. About, okay. Uh, Who cares what my thing I uh, No, no, you could, I thought you were no, no, trying to avoid that. it. I, I'm speaking about myself. Like, yeah, I don't, I, who cares what do I you think do, about no, do you, It's not do you, important. Do you have an answer to that? I no, just, I, uh, we're moving right along. Okay. I thought that was like, you didn't want to answer, so you moved on or something. Okay. Synesthesia word of the moment. You thought right. That's what it was. Okay. <laughs> and Good. then I had to say it. Like, I, I'm just, you know how I am. Yes, I know. <laughs> Spooky asks, synesthesia word of the moment. Uranus, I want an answer. Well, okay. I've got a good answer. It does have a flavor. It does have a flavor. And it's, oh, it does. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's one of those Have you ones thought of this before? No, I just now. So this it's just like, happened. Yeah, okay, here yeah. we go. I'm excited. <laughs> I mean, I read it on the pre thing. The pre, I read it when, he, uh, when this person posted it. And, sure. Um, and I was like, oh. And I thought what it tastes like. It tastes like a banana. <laughs> <laughs> Your anus tastes like a banana, just so you know. <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, yeah, that's the flavor of Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's that's funny i actually made banana flavoring in uh, organic chemistry class in high school i was in yeah. this advanced science class and it was organic chemistry and we made this stuff and it was some kind of a salicate and it was like the exact smell of like bananas like artificial bananas and i made a vial of it and they let us keep it for some bizarre reason i've probably said this before on the podcast but i went up one of the halls in the high school and dropped it on the floor and smashed the vial and that whole hall smelled like bananas for the whole school year it was incredible <laughs> Yes. And then after that, they stopped letting, stopped letting the kids keep their bananas flavor, smell. Probably. 
But for that whole year, I was like, ah, it's the banana hall <laughs> and then, or, or the Uranus hall, depending upon how you look. <laughs> you ruined it for everybody. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> Tony Haas, Chet, do you tend to sculpt intuitively or are you more methodical when it comes to sculpting? That's a good question. I've never thought about it. Let me think about that. I mean, I usually have an idea of what I'm going to do. And I suppose it's more, sculpting is more of a methodical, I would say it's more methodical than painting. But, um, you know, same with painting, there is the uh, opportunity to improvise while you're going along and seeing where it goes. But I would say, yeah, it's for, for, I'm not sure why, because I haven't ever thought about it, but it, it seems a little more, I'm a little more planned out when it comes to sculptures. Um, and I guess some of that has to do with the fact that I usually have to think about how it's going to be molded, which kind of can change the way the design is to make it easy for molding and stuff like that. Yeah, I've watched you sculpt, and I think you're more methodical in your sculpting. Yeah. You're pretty uh, loose with your when you sculpt, right? With your, your Oh, yeah. Just kind yeah of, like, it's all about I, I, improvising. It's, you know, that's the weird thing about the ritual art stuff for me. And since all of the art I do, I, for me, qualifies as ritual art. And it's only been recently that I've even found a place because of Chet's influence to be comfortable even commodifying it all, um, is that it's all this very intuitive thing. There's very little of any kind of... Like when I sit down to make a ward, it's not like I sit down and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to get this specific wire and this specific hemp twine and these specific beads and this piece of bone. It's not like that at all. It's like either there's a vision in my head of something and then I go and I try to bring about the vision like most artists do, you know, um, or which is most of the case, yeah. I sit down and have no idea what I'm going to do and I start fiddling and poking around with my ingredients. And next thing I know, I'll see something that I really like and I'm like, ooh, ooh, that could be like with this. And then I take the other thing and I'm like, Ooh, how do I put those together? And then I'm like, mm, okay, I'm going to do this, you know, and it just starts to happen as this intuitive process. And the thing is, if I'm making a ward that has a specific purpose, like a protection ward, and that's the reason I went into making it, well, then the whole time I'm doing it, that's what I'm thinking about. So the ingredients are even predicated by the thought of right. protection. Whereas sometimes I make wards and don't know what they are till I'm done. Mm -hmm. And I get done and I'm like, Jesus, what is this ward? You know, I mean, really it happens. And I'm like, hmm. Yep. And then I, then I have to think about it, you know, because sometimes they're, they've made themselves. I don't, I don't know, you know? So yeah, it's a very weird process for me. It's not, there's nothing methodical about it at mm -hmm. all other than the fact that I go and collect things and I bring them back here and I put them together. And right. that's pretty much the methodical part of it. The ritualized part of it is, you know, the way in which I collect and where do I store those items and in altar spaces for how long and what glass jars with what other items. And, you know, there's all of this very intense ritual that goes behind the ingredients, but not behind the creating. That's right. all intuitive. Okay. Good answer. All right. Shane Izakowski. Do you think it's better to have a variety of sizes of paintings for your solo show or keep it consistent with similar sizes? Good reasons for both, I'm assuming, but want to hear your thoughts. Good question, Shane. That, that is a good question, and I have a good answer for it because I definitely fall on one side of, of the two options you gave, mm -hmm. and that is to have a wide variety of um, sizes simply so you can have a wide variety of prices and you'll... Um, have a better chance of selling if you have smaller paintings that are more affordable and, you know, larger ones that are more affordable to a certain clientele. I mean, I always kind of take the approach of 
one big painting, like like a a big centerpiece painting, and then some smaller pieces around it that are more affordable. And you know, I think the more the more range uh, price range, the better. So well, and also maybe too that that are grain to take into account is that you know let that let that show speak to you and tell you what it wants to some degree as well. Because I think that for all these artists, I know Shane because I've I've seen Shane's uh, the sh- the work that he's doing, and they're very uh, intelligent, thought out shows like yours are, Chet. And so I feel like each of those shows, to whatever degree, is an art piece unto itself. Granted, there are all these art pieces that make up the show, but the show itself is kind of an art piece, and so you're kind of having to pay homage to the art. God there too. So if the show tells you everything should be the same size, well, maybe you should listen to that. And if the show tells you, you know, well, I could, you know, there's a pretty good range here and <laughs> do that. But I think that there's, you know, it shouldn't well, all be just about how much money you can make. I would say it depends. Yeah. It depends if, if it's a show that you don't, it's, it's not about making money, then it doesn't, you can do just what you intuitively think you should do. If right. they all should be giant ones like Christopher Ulrich used to do. That's mm-hmm. fine, but if you're not planning on making money, but I'm always factoring in the business end of things because that's just you know what it takes to survive sure. for most people. But so. what I'm saying is, is that if ego, if the ego death show, for instance, had had told you, you know, for whatever reason, who knows why, you know how art speaks. If it had told you, you know, really all of these paintings should be the exact same size. It's just how this show feels. It feels right. That's what's right for it. You'd have done it. I know you would have. Cause you were worshiping that particular show God, you know what I mean? Like you were doing what you needed to do, even if that meant cram those paintings into three months, like a maniac and not yeah, barely bathing. You know, maybe, maybe, but the part of why I painted them, the size that I painted them was because I actually did try, you know, I tried to do that. I tried to, I made two 11 by 14 pieces. I tried to get some small pieces, some medium and some large. I actually and I did a really big one. Well, I'm not telling you it told you to do that. I'm just saying if it had told you to do <laughs> well, that, it told you me may that very well have complied. Maybe that maybe it told me that was okay to do. I don't know that it was okay to have a wide range of. It seemed like the right thing to do, and it made sense to me financially. I guess I'm just so. saying. It, it, I agree with your financial advice. I think it's solid and sound and legit, and people should listen to it. I'm just saying that also they should listen to their intuition as well. Sure. Okay. Let's go on to the next one. <laughs> All right. Uh, also, Shane is a Kowski again. Also, do you think it's better to host an event type of a solo show or just make it strictly and solely about your work that's hanging? For example, your dystopia show had characters and theatrics, which I fucking love. But now after doing a show like that, would you rather continue doing more theatrical event exhibits or do you or to just do a stripped down show with art on the walls? That's another good question. And I would say... Um, you know, once I did the Ego Death show, I felt pressure to do to outdo it every time after, which is why I did the um, dystopia show like I did. And but I can't but I but in between that, I had a Halloween themed show, which was kind of small and and the demon show and the demon show and the fear and the fear, which was kind of small. I, you know, I always try and make at least one one thing special about the show. Um, something unique to that show. But, you know, if I had the choice, if I could afford it, I would always do a big theatrical event just because it's so much fun, you know, and it's all, and it's fun to try and outdo yourself every time. Yeah. Um, so, 
I would, you know, it, it d- depends on you though, really what you want, what you, what, you know, what you think is the best thing for your artwork. Some people, you know, doing a stripped down show is going to be better for them. It really just depends. And also what you can manage to do, you know? Yeah. I mean, and that's always part of any, any project is project management. And if it's not, then you got a problem right there, you know, because the reality is, is there's a lot of management that goes into any project. And so the more elaborate it gets, the more management there is, which likely means the more people are involved or the more capital is necessary. So you really do have to work within your means or find a way to expand your means, you know, and that's also always an opportunity nowadays. Like, you know, the last, not the last, but the episode before the last, we talked to Pete Morbacher and he's a great example of somebody who will pitch that angle too. There's always an opportunity to expand your, your base of support nowadays in this digital world with Patreon and crowdfunding and Kickstarters right. and all that stuff. I'll say as a little final ca- caveat is that the shows with the big theatrical shows, I think do better. They sell better, they get more attention. So they are better for you career wise in that respect. They're more memorable and a lot of, you know, getting, making a name for yourself is, is getting people to remember you and think, you know, that you're to think there's something special about you. And so if, if you do an amazing, crazy show, then that's going to be good for you. So, um, yeah. Uh, what was I? Oh, and like another example of, even if, even though I'll have a stripped down show as opposed to a big show that I can't afford, it's like the Halloween show. I made these frames that had glow in the dark corners of these ghosts. That was um, called All Hallows Eve. Yes, All Hallows Eve. And the <clears throat> the fear show, I sculpted an oval frame. And the next show I am going to do at Copro in October, which I haven't even started, which I'm supposed to be starting today, um, <clears throat> is going to be called Villains. And it's going to be, I'm going to like do kind of archetypal villains um, in, in the dystopia, my dystopia monstery style no no men yeah maybe there's i'm thinking more like you know there's going to be just tip you know classic archetypal villains like i want to do like the classic i want to do like a classic top hat curly mustache like gotcha. snidely whiplash i got gotcha. you i follow uh, now and you know maybe an uh uh maybe an a corrupt politician or a bad cop, uh, you know, like what, just, you, what, what about mad scientists? Yeah. Mad scientist. Someone brought that up. Cause I mentioned it in Patreon the other day. I was telling them. Uh, I know I should my be more Patreon. engaged. I'm having a hard time because <laughs> I, I, I run so many yeah, and I'm following so I many. Know, it's like, what I the know. fuck's going on with that? <laughs> <laughs> but someone brought up mad scientists, which I thought was a great one. That's so, a great one. Dude, so that's, one have, of, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Cause I think of like bugs bunny and then the mad yeah. scientist dude. And they always go to his castle and they're like somehow stuck there. And but there's so many to there. choose from. There's like the bad cowboy archetype. There's so many cool ones to choose. So I just think it would be really fun. And then I'm going to do, do a bad cowboy model. I could bad cowboy model yeah. with my gun, my hat for you, my <laughs> trench coat. That's true. Um, and for this show, I'm going to do, I'm going to do ovals again. Um, and I'm going to do another custom frame, but I might, because my time's limited, I might chop up one of the fear frames and rebuild it, remake it, and remold it so it's um, a new frame. So it's, that's going to be the special thing about this show. It's going to be a small, stripped-down show, but it is going to have a new frame. So anyway, let's move on to the last few. Um, <laughs> okay. Tony Haas, what type of wildlife can people plan on seeing at the retreat? Well... 
I first of all hope that you are able to come, Tony. Uh, Tony's not on the roster yet, but Tony lives nearby, and I know that he's toying with being able to come down because we're, you know, people are still actually uh, adding themselves onto the retreat. And so, just for anybody that's listening that's interested, if you are a Dark Art Society member, one dollar and up, you are invited. Um, or if you're not, become a member, and that's one reason to do it. Uh, wildlife, Tony, in regard to the retreat, we are having a Dark Art Society retreat, the first annual one this year, and that's going to be here on my property in northern New Mexico, the land of enchantment, and. There is all kinds of amazing stuff to see when you're hiking, but in the Badlands, it's pretty quiet and you really have to kind of pay attention to see things because, well, they're Badlands for a reason. There's very little life there. Um, but ultimately, I see often uh, coyotes. I see ravens. I see crows. I see lizards. I see bull snakes. I see um, all kinds of birds. There's there's uh, herons down there. There's amazing, amazing bird life and reptile life, obviously, as I said. And then you'll typically see a lot of track from bear and mountain lion, although we won't see bear or mountain lion. Um, there's also black-tailed deer. There's um, ibex down here. There are uh, bighorn ram. There are all kinds of things to see. Elk, yeah. Uh, wild turkeys. Yeah, it goes on and on and on. So uh, there's all kinds of wildlife. Here on my property, though, gophers? typically it's... Yes, yes. <laughs> on my property, there are... Although you won't see the gophers either. Uh, you will see prairie dogs, though, on my property. We have a whole prairie dog colony that lives next door that's pretty cool. We definitely see the coyotes out the door here all the time. Um, and then the horses, the neighbors have horses. You're always looking at the horses. We have dogs. So, um, but in September, it's so nice here. It's like the, the choice time. It's, it's super cool and nice and beautiful and sunny and the colors are changing. Um, so it's just a great time. So anyway, that's a, the answer to your question. Plus some <laughs> Chet looks like he's busy doing something. So I'm just kind of keeping the ball <laughs> rolling. Sorry. Um, okay. Are you two going to investigate the flora and fauna of dystopia? Well, we kind of already have. Yeah. I mean, as far as I know, I mean, for, for as far as how you could describe that, I mean, you know, we don't really use those terms for yeah, it. Yeah, because there's, there's not really, there's weeds and trees. Are pretty and, we much, have na- and we have names for those regions that have those specific things in them, or yeah. we have discovered those anyway. It's like everything's pretty much dead kind of. Is the way I imagine it. So there might be, I mean, I, I, it could, it's, it depends on the paintings too. That it's like, well, like for instance, can I give a, just a quick, for instance, well, let, me, let me, let me finish what I was going to okay, say. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, you know, I might paint some weird flowers in a future painting and then suddenly it's become part of dystopia. Exactly. It's like, that's how the, that's how it goes. The paintings come first. Okay. Because the paintings are the evidence that we've investigated like anthropologists to come up with the information to populate the field guide, which is why, you know, that's why that makes sense. The painting I was thinking of that I was curious about that I investigated was um, Here Comes the Sun. And when I asked you about it, you had no idea, but all of a sudden, and this is a good example of that, I was like, well, what's going on down there, you know? And and you started going off about it. It It's like he's harvesting and it's like this skin skin fruit, like plants that comes out of this kind of pachydermish flesh that's the ground and i won't go into it more than that but that's the kind of stuff like flora and fauna sure yeah if you want to call it that yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's true that's true okay bam when you're using glazing layers do you use linseed oil or liquid i know you've mentioned you have used both curious how you use each of them i use liquid that's because i paint with liquid and i haven't done a lot with linseed oil i have tried it out before and painted i don't remember the painting but i know i've done one with linseed oil. Um, I think they basically will do the same thing as far as creating glazes. 
linseed oils maybe a little bit runnier unless you use um you know like sun thickened linseed oil that's thicker like honey and but get but liquids more like a gel like a jelly sort of so it's just they have different properties but you can get the same glazing effects i think with them so i'm a liquid guy i love liquid okay spooky is consciousness a manifestation of the brain that is created by photons? I don't know. Your, your mic's off. I was on. That was God telling you to shut up. Uh, <laughs> I was just saying that. that uh, oh, I didn't. It wasn't like I couldn't hear you. <laughs> I could hear you. Just because my mic's muted doesn't mean I can't hear. I just can't speak, evidently. Uh, I, you know, obviously, I don't know the answer to that question, but what, what, what the question was: Is consciousness a manifestation of what now? Come of, again? Of the brain that is created by photons. Okay, well, photons are light particles, right? Yeah. So that's like a very multi-tiered question. But it's, are, they have to be more specific. <laughs> I could I could do my best to answer with my opinion, but that question's not specific enough. There's a lot of tears to that there. Yeah, it's it's like, you know, nobody really knows anyway, but we all have our opinions. They want their opinion. Let's hear your opinion, Chad. Okay. My opinion is that there is a consciousness in everything that exists. And um, our ego consciousness and our minds are just a... Uh, <clears throat> it's a... It's a um, Oh, what's the word I'm thinking of? It's a uh, like an artifact of the mind. Like it's created by the physical mind, our ego, our sense of ourself, our perception. It's it's kind of a function of the mind. Yet there is, I, I believe, there is a deeper kind of consciousness. It's almost like there's two levels of consciousness. There's there's the personal consciousness we all have, but then there's this underlying consciousness in everything that exists. And um, that's kind of what I think. Well, I mean, I agree with you, first of all. Uh, but I would just say this. I think that the condition of perception that we all experience is the predicator for consciousness. We, are, we have consciousness as a result of our perception. And I don't think that our perception is limited only to photons, for instance, because people that are blind, that are not able to engage in light particles – still have perception and consciousness. So, I mean, again, the question is like confusing because it's not specific enough as to, oh, the correlation between the brain and photons and then perception. So it's a little bit of a weird multi-tiered question that has me wondering exactly what the question is. Because I feel like people that, you know, can't see uh, still have perception and they still have consciousness. People that can't hear still have perception and still have consciousness. You know, uh, people that- Animals have- have perception perception and consciousness yeah so i mean but again i think that it as chet was saying you know it, it the way that we process it if that's the real question to the human brain do we need a brain in order to have perception and consciousness well i do because i have one so there's your evidence <laughs> because i don't know what's going to happen if i don't have a brain anymore whether i'll have perception or consciousness anymore so for me yeah i need a brain to have that um, but do weird. all things? No, because I don't think that rocks need to have a brain to have consciousness, nor mm -hmm. do I think, you know, I think that consciousness resides in all things because all things, all things are consciousness, all constituents of a greater thing that we can't perceive. It's so much bigger than that, that it's inconceivable, you know? And so, yeah, it's all filled with that. If that's, that's the precursor. 
<laughs> you know, yeah, consciousness. And we all have different modes of perception, of course, you know, each very individualistic, I think not only by like species and subset of like, you know, again, rock, tree, plant, animal, human, humans or animals, you know what I mean? Reptile, you know, uh, mammal, so on and so forth. But I think also within each individual, within those subsets, perception is idiosyncratic. I don't think that my perception is anything like Jet's, honestly. And I don't think that his is anything like Joy's and or anything like yours. <laughs> you know, I think we do a good job trying to find common ways to talk about perception so we feel like we can relate. And I think that there are similarities, but I think it's vastly different for each person. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Xerogs. Chris Hackard? Uh, I don't know. Is that Chris Hackard? Xerogs? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. How often do you meditate, Chet? And do you find it helps creativity? Well, meditation for me has always been this yo-yo situation where I do it for a while and I stop for a while and then I do it for a while. And, and it's, I lately I haven't been doing it. I've been doing it for a while, but I, but I always feel like I should be doing it. And I always feel like I'm mentally better when I do it. So it's yeah. just like a discipline issue for me. I don't do it as often as I should. And when I, when I am doing it, I just do it once a day for like 20 minutes. Right. And usually well, I, life gets out of hand because it gets too busy and I end up staying up late. My schedule gets all fucked up and then I don't meditate and then I get all crazy. So it's good for me mentally. <clears throat> I think, I think there's a lot of different kinds of meditation and different people kind of have to find what the best meditation is for each of them. Cause there's guided visual meditate, uh, guided vision meditation. There's breathing meditation. There's sitting meditation. There's walking meditation. Ooh. There's all different kinds of hey, meditation. Yeah, paint, painting feels like painting, that was what I, that's kind of what yeah. I was getting to is that I think that for you, when you paint, it is meditative. And therefore, you know, cause for me, when I do my, my sculptural work and my ward making ritual art, it's incredibly meditative. And it's the only time I actually get out of my own way, unless if I'm either exercising, doing labor really hard or hiking. And so for me, walking meditation is a big deal. It works really well for me, but it doesn't work well for everybody. So you kind of have to find, I think each person has to find what not only does the, you know, gives the best results, but also what fits into their life the best. Cause like I used to have to do my meditation in the car on the way to work and on the way home. Cause that was the time I had. And so that I made it work for me, right. you know, but everyone's different, you know, it's true. And you can always find time to do it. I'm just being lazy. There's always, like you said, there's so many different ways of doing it. You could do it walking to your job from your car to your job. If you do walking meditation, you know, there's, nope. you could do it when you, the one thing I do try and do, um, kind of consistently is when I go to sleep, I meditate. That's what I was about asleep. to say. Yeah. But the problem is I always just fall asleep before. Well, I you, that's too inevitable, far into it. right? <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's like, I never get to this deep state of, you know, when you get into a deep state of meditation, you get to that realization of like, wow, I'm deep into it and I'm not yeah. really thinking about anything. And, um, you know, I usually fall asleep before I get to that point. So. But still, I would, that's what I was actually about to say was that everyone lays down to go to sleep, period. And that's for me ever since I was a little kid. And I never knew that it was meditation. When I was a kid, I thought I, I was taught that it was hypnosis. Self-hypnosis was the term that yeah. I learned as a kid. Oh, it's right. self-hypnosis. But that's the same the thing Western, as meditation, right? Western, yeah. 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 And so for, you know, I think that's a great time because you're going to lay down. You're going to calm your mind down. So why not take an active role in that process. And for me now, of course, I'm speaking, you're speaking to a dreamer, of course, as we've talked about before, but it's like, 
if you take an active role in the process of falling asleep, it will have profound effects, period. There's dream meditation. It's a real thing. I've been engaging in it for a long time. And you can prolong your sense of consciousness in very a variety of ways. And so, yeah, why not take an active role in being at least mindful, because that's what meditation is. It's mindfulness of your breathing and your tendency to think compulsively while you're falling asleep, period. Just breathe, focus on your breathing, you know, in through your nose, full lungs, out through your mouth. Very simple. Yeah. So simple. Okay. Um, <clears throat> he also asked, do you help it? Do you find it helps you creatively, your creativity? Uh, I think it does because just when, when you're, not as stressed out, you you can create more easily. Yes. So okay, and then meditation is vastly important. Everyone yeah, should try it. Yeah. Find a way to do it. Okay, and then Bam asked, "Do you have a preferred brand of paint?" And I would say, not really, as long as it's a professional grade. What I tend to buy mostly are Windsor Newton or Gamblin sponsors because they're <laughs> they're affordable, middle of the road paints. Um, uh, I've recently been watching this guy, Jason Walcott on YouTube, who's suggesting a lot of cool paints from, uh, Rublev, which are really expensive, but they're supposed to be really good. And, uh, Michael Harding paints. And, um, so I'm, I bought a couple here and there of these, uh, more expensive paints, old Holland, and I'm trying them more and more, but you know, I'm not really, you know, I, every time I get when I do get one of these amazing expensive brands of paint, I'm never like, Oh my God, this is changing the way I'm paint. It just doesn't. It's like, Oh, it's cool. Okay. It's a little better this way. I see that. But you know, it's like, still like, this, it's like liquid pixie dust. Yeah. You could just like, like swipe your paint across. Well, there's that, a painting there. Yeah. I think there's a subconscious hope that it is going to be like some magic <laughs> bullet thing, but it never really is. It's always like, you know, it comes down to what you can do with the paint. So, um, yeah. So that's, that's that. And then the last question, which after this, we should talk, I want to talk a little bit about this session we had, um, cause I haven't thought about it, but what's your number one song you wish you could just destroy on bass guitar? Well, I don't play one. So go <laughs> <for that. laughs> um, and you know, anything by no means no, they always have, great bass riffs. The bass is kind of the lead instrument. Bass and drums are like the lead instrument instruments in that band. Uh, Anything Primus. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. Um, yeah, that's true. Any, any kind of, I mean, there's so many songs I could throw out there. It's stupid. Cause you and I both love Primus. So do you yeah. Chad be all about the sailing seas of cheese and I'd be all about frizzle fry and yeah. it would go on forever. <laughs> um, there's a couple Getty Lee bass solos. I'd love to know how to play like, um, YYZ bass solo is pretty amazing. Well, totally. That whole entire fucking song is just yeah. not dead. Yeah. So, okay. So that's it. That's all the questions. That is it. Finito. Let me now chat wants message. to talk about this. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. I'm just writing well, a little well, message. Telling everybody, everybody stop asking questions. No, I'm just saying thanks for your questions. We're all done. Okay. Here's the thing. This is kind of weird for them since this was an experiment we were trying out Indeed. everyone's asking questions and they're getting no answers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and in it. like three weeks, they're going to get an episode that has their answers. So I just wonder well, it's only because of circumstance that yeah, I know, happened. but I'm just wondering if 
this is such a good idea. If maybe we should figure out a better way to do it, because isn't there some kind of one thing I, I kept hearing about Discord is that there's a kind of like a, uh, a voice chat. There is a voice chat and I have a channel set up for it. But the thing about that is, is that it's going to get noisy and I don't know how we'll separate all that noise because you can hear everyone well, who's on that. Well, I'm wondering if we couldn't, um, you know, ha tell people not to talk on it, but they can listen so they can listen to the podcast while we're recording it. I think that's a great idea. You know, I wonder and, if that and, would work. We could try it. I don't see any reason not to try it. And also what we could do is a Q&A that way. But basically, you know, it would have to be a, like a, a roster where people, you know, and, and people know in advance, I get to ask a question and it's in a certain order and then people right. can ask them and then you hear your voice on the podcast. Right. So that's another way to spin that. I'm sure we could think of a variety of ways. But like Chet said, this is a test. You know, for it's for fun. fun. Why not? We'd already been doing Q and A's through Facebook. And I felt like this is kind of a fun thing because those people get for sure. They just got all of our time for this whole episode. Yeah. Those people that were there yeah. and you didn't like show up, people, you didn't get our time. You could have been there. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, not that we're that special, but I think the reality oh, again is I missed that, a good you know, one. Shit. Oh, well, I missed one of the best. And you questions. already, and I already said finito and everything. <laughs> oh, I totally missed this. This is the best question too. My uh, one of the best ones. I'm going to ask it. Who is it? Spooky. What's your opinion on the influence of Rod Serling in the sci-fi and horror genre? Of Which, course you would want to answer this question. Yeah, I think he's like the best thing since sliced bread. Bread and butter. He's, you know, the Twilight Zone is probably the greatest TV show ever created. And, um, you know, totally revolutionary, changed everything. And I, I, there's, I don't think there's been any kind of sci-fi show, not Black Mirror, nothing that's that's that will ever you know hit that hit that mark because without twilight zone there could never have been a black mirror any any show like that and um they, you know just the ideas at the time were just so great and it was so consistently good that's the other thing about the twilight zone is every you know almost every episode was amazing and wait you know if you there's a few maybe some, a few clinkers but compared to the mat the mass majority of all these amazing one after the other of just excellent writing the writers were so good and he wrote a bunch of the great ones too um so yeah i think it was that show is legendary rod serling's the shit um a huge rod serling fan and um here here brother yeah I'm, sure, I'm, sure I'm sure you agree i read a book <clears throat> a good biography i also I, I also just have to say that from my era i also really liked ripley's believe it or not which has nothing to do with the twilight zone but because i was a young kid in the 80s and ripley's believe it or not was a thing and that also in my mind became paired with the twilight zone because they would play when uh, i was a kid around the same time so well, i would consume the, them both at the same time that's the funny thing about the twilight zone is that it was from the 60s and, yeah it was old you know but we, then all, we all got it in play it. syndication and it's still you know still affected my generation Netflix right now yeah yeah it's fucking amazing it's oh so hey good. that reminds me do we have to remember we're gonna put a link in the description on this people and if you can't find it you're you don't have the description because you're not on soundcloud or whatever other reason please find chet czar on facebook or me on facebook and find this link it'll be posted available easy to find you can even go to facebook.com forward slash i like to paint monsters and there will be a pinned link and this pinned link is for you to suggest the documentary that I made about Chet called Chet's R colon. I like to paint monsters to Netflix. It's so easy and it's free. All you do is literally click on the link, copy and paste the name over, hit enter. That's it. 
It's it's like a yeah, second of your time. And we are easy. hoping that if we can deluge them with like if we what we get like a thousand episodes after a couple months have passed of this podcast, if we could get like half of that, you know, or a third, 300 people to just say, yes, we want this film. Maybe they'll reach out to our distributor and say, hey, we want this film. Wouldn't that be cool? Because we really just want more people to see it. So if you can do that for us, please suggest it to Netflix via yeah. that one. We would love you for it and we'll love you anyway, but it would really help us out. We're going to start a, a campaign to try and get it on Netflix, which would be really cool. Yes, so, we want this. Cool. All right. Um, yeah. The other thing I was going to say is, you know, we could always do um, uh, the YouTube. We can do a YouTube episode, a live episode to where people can hear it live. And the way that uh, One Fantastic Week yeah. does. I'm into it. And, and, they, and they have like a chat. That's going on too while the while the things you know mm -hmm. recording so that's something we got to look into as well at least to do once in a while yeah i'm into it I, I mean i think that it would probably not be something we would do as consistently simply because then we wouldn't be able to do the kind of mixing and mastering and stuff that we're doing we're not editing any of these episodes we haven't actually at all which is pretty interesting but we do make them sound better well brian makes them sound better brian kilgore and so you know I, my only concern is is those first couple episodes when we didn't have brian's help people complained about how lousy it sounded and we both have nice mics you know yeah. so i'm just a little bit concerned about the quality but i still think it'd be something fun we could do periodically just for the fun yeah, of it because yeah. why not and it's hurt, something you know? and you know there might be a way to the only thing i would imagine is the levels might be messed up the audio levels but uh, Brian could probably somehow take the the uh, recorded YouTube footage and and you know fix fix it, fix it up in in his um, software and well, then it. put the title on you know put the beginning song on and all that stuff maybe and it'd be cool we should ask him to, about it. And it would be cool for people to get a build a CS talking too, because it's like where these talk, where these like voices, you know, bodiless voices, you know. Yeah, I think. But like you and I are sitting here staring at each other the whole time and talking because we're friends. I think so. Yeah. It'd be good for people to be able to see our facial expressions. You it's kind of cool the way they do it. Every show, they there's a live, you know, a live broadcast, and then it's up for. Same with the Joe Rogan podcast, you know. It's, sure. It's something. Well, to think I'm not. About. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed to it. Okay, so that's something to think about. In fact, well. I'm for it. Okay. <laughs> right. How are you feeling with your Red Bull? You're getting all jazzy now that the episode's over. You're going to go paint? Yeah, I'm trying to still get some energy. I just took, drank this second energy drink of the day. It's almighty, man. It's like 118 here. That's what That's it says on my phone. That's what I was posting when you were saying I was, wasn't paying attention. I had to screen grab that because it was so ridiculous and I had to post it. And then it. post it on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> you say, I'm recording this mic right now and I'm ignoring his answer to this question so I go post about how hot it is. And I just wrote, oh, okay. There's a thing called internet addiction. Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote, I'm just oh, busting okay. your balls. It's all good. <clears throat> well, at any rate, it's been a fun episode regardless of whether or not those people get to hear the answers to the questions in three weeks. But go on Discord and tell them, obviously, that you had a good time and we answered all their questions and that they were good questions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. I, I called them. I said, okay, all done. Thanks for your questions. All right. Well, okay. Thank you, everybody, everybody, for listening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Yes.